We've been looking at knowing God through the word as we've been sharing it, knowing God through salvation. And that in, involves repentance, which is a change of mind and direction. Regeneration, a change of heart and nature. Redemption, a change of position. Reconciliation, a change of relationship. Conversion, a change of life. Adoption, a change of family status. Sanctification, we spent four sermons in that. A change of behaviour and how we need that. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we know that verse well in Revelation chapter 4, verse 8 particularly, that was approached from many different angles by different um, preachers at the NBF. But sanctification, because he is holy, we ought also to be holy. Justification, a change of state. Imputation, and we spent three sermons in that, a change, an exchange of debts. Wonderful thing. Our debt has been exchanged. We got righteousness and the Lord got our sin. And today is one of the best of all. <laughs> We've got glorification, a change of place. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 12. <clears throat> if this world is all that there is, it's not very good. <laughs> Although it is good being a Christian. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 12. Now this is an application. This is not the interpretation of this verse. And just an application. Paul here said, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. Now the interpretation is for this verse is that when the word of God, the canon of scripture was completed, then we'll see face to face as we really are. As we read the word of God, the mirror will reflect that to us and see how sinful we are and how we need salvation and all the things that pertain to that. But an application is, we can say, now we see through a glass darkly. We know God is, we haven't seen him face to face. We know his love and all his attributes as we can study the word of God for that. But one day we will see him face to face and there's even a song we sing, isn't there? Face to face I shall behold him. I think it's 511 in our hymn book. Now we know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. And it's, it's in relation to the interpretation, as we read the word of God, then we know as we are known. As God knows us, we'll know ourselves from reading the scriptures and applying them. But in our, an application, we can say, when we see him, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And uh, we'll know as we are known at that time. So you can uh, think of those thoughts as in relation to heaven. Heaven is the grandest and the greatest expectation of the believer. In Romans chapter 8 verse 19 we read, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Even creation is waiting for the manifestation of the glory of the sons of God, which we are. And uh, until 
we get glorified, it's not going to be released from the bondage of sin that Adam and, sin, Adam and Eve brought it into back at the fall. <clears throat> if you walk around in bare feet around here, what do you get? A bindi. <laughs> or a thorn or a thistle. If you leave a paddock to itself, farmers, what do you get? Weeds. <laughs> And you can see that if it hasn't been sprayed for a while, hadn't had a crop in it, it just goes to uh, all sorts of thistles and things. Uh, was that before the fall? No. These are all part of the curse. Uh, uh, the herbicides. What do, what do our farmers use those for? All the bugs that are around now that didn't weren't around back then. And when that regeneration happens and it's brought back to what God intended it to be, wouldn't it be good to be a farmer? Chris, wouldn't it? <laughs> no, more, no more droughts, <laughs> no more dry years, <laughs> no more bugs, herbicides and pesticides won't be needed. Herbicide, herbicide. I used it for the wrong bug, didn't I? Yeah, pesticide. <laughs> Spray the bugs with pesticide, yeah. <laughs> herbicides for the weeds <laughs> that is, needs to be used. But <clears throat> what a time it'll be. What a time it would be if Adam hadn't sinned, but that... All God knew all that, and it's, he's provided a way back to himself. The earnest expectation. We earnestly wait for the grandest thing to ever happen, the greatest thing for us to be brought to glory. And we're going to look at three points, not all of them. I think they're all written down there in the bulletin, but today, I thought as it is the Lord's Supper today and the first Sunday of the month, we'll, we'll do a few, but not all of the points of the sermon. Heaven is a personal promise from a powerful potentate. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the promises of your word, for the, the, the wonderful things we find in there about what you have prepared for those that love you. And may we be encouraged, excited and uplifted, even though our circumstances might be otherwise. May we be drawn closer to you and understand all your great love and your great plans for our future. Lord, we do pray for those who are not well. We pray for Hewan, that you would have your healing hand upon his body, Lord. And if there needs to be further things that uh, need to be done with his knee and leg, that you would undertake and guide the surgeons there. Lord, we pray for Monique as she heads to Israel to help there with the Lewises, that you would give safety and minister to her and through her to the family over there. Lord, we pray for those that are not here because of other sicknesses that they have and minister to their needs and those that are travelling and are away for this holiday period. Lord, bring them back safely home. Lord, we thank you for your blessings to us mentioned in your word. May we take heart today and be uplifted for we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Let's turn to Romans chapter 4 and verse 20 to begin with heaven is a personal promise from a powerful potentate and uh, we've looked at him being king in the book of Matthew on two evening services of recent days but he is a powerful king Lord potentate Romans chapter 4 and verse 20 <clears throat> we read here he Staggered not, this is Abraham, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded 
that what he had promised, God had promised, he, God, was able to perform. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Is that imputation that we've talked of for a few weeks? Imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered for our offences and was raised again for our justification. So much in so few words that we find here, so much teaching. But we're looking here at the promise that was given to Abraham. What was it that he looked for when he went down from Ur and Haran and then down to the, down to the promised land of Canaan? He looked for a city whose builder was God. Now, who was it? Was it your brother Brad that did the measurements for the city. It, was, it all mingles up, doesn't it? All the different sermons, but one pastor was saying the size of, it might have been Charlie, uh, Pastor Williamson, but he, Williams, he, the size of the city, and he was doing it in miles and kilometres. Kilometres, 2,400. That way, that way, and that way. And he said from here, or from Melbourne, actually, up to northern Queensland. From there across to Broome, from Broome down to Perth, and from Perth to back to Melbourne. That's the base of it. And then in layers, he, and all the different things, and, and height of it, the same height. I think if you put it all together and what it's made of, it's probably heavier than the earth. It's a, it's a big structure. We've got something to look forward to. You know, ever been gold prospecting or looking for diamonds or gems or something like that, or, or opals <laughs> down in the mines? And trying to find, hunt, and, and dig out, and the beep, 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 you know, that, what do you call it, gold detector. <laughs> and you find nothing when it beeps anyway but an old nail. <laughs> but your hope is that you find a little bit of gold. <laughs> God has made our eternal abode, the abode of the Christ, uh, of the church, the, the, the new Jerusalem, out of pure gold. What a wonderful place he's prepared for us. Hey, we are... Sinners, estranged from God, doing contrary. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He gives us salvation. He gives us his righteousness when we believe. And then he makes a home in heaven. And on top of that, as we look further into this, when we get there, he girds himself and he serves us. He say, it's all a one-way street. It's all for our blessing and our benefit what the Lord has done and will do for us and what he has planned for us. So Abraham believed what God had promised he was able to perform. Can he do it? Will he do it? Yes, he can do it and he will do it. You know, with, with, with men, things are impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. He can do it. He, he created the, the world and the, the universe in the six days of creation, as we see, he can do this as well. Do you believe, like Abraham, that what God has promised he's able to perform? I pray you do. In John 14, 3, we'll get there later in one of the points. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. And he has said, I, come on, I will come again. 
And what preacher do you remember emphasized that over and over when he preached here many years ago? Thank you. <laughs> someone, was, someone back there was there. M.A. Butler. I will, with his loud voice, <laughs> I will come again. And uh, he loved the thought of the second coming. He was taken before it. But Jesus said, I will come again. Do you believe his promise he will come again? Uh, does he need to come again? <laughs> Certainly. Look at the world. Look at the mess it's in. Turmoil everywhere. The nations are like the troubled sea. And they certainly are getting more and more like that. Impeachment process in America. Brexit in England. European turmoil. Dictators rising. In Islamic places. Uh, the Sunni and Shiite at each other. It was just earlier this week. I didn't hear it on the news, but I saw it in a little reading there that... Um, the Saudi Arabians, three regiments were taken captive by them down in Yemen there. And it wasn't mentioned on the news. I thought, this is going on. This is thousands of people, soldiers, and all the equipment that they had. And uh, <clears throat> it's in turmoil. But our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. I will come again. And uh, just be, when it seems like all is over, the Lord comes, and especially at the end of the tribulation. Titus 1-2, it reads there, In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. The personal promise from a powerful king, a powerful potentate, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot, he cannot lie, Hey, as you read the scriptures, as you read the word of God, as you read the Old Testament, all the promises have been given there and in the New Testament. He cannot lie. He will keep his word. And Abraham, when the Abrahamic covenant was made, God walked through the pieces on his own and Abraham was put in a deep sleep. God will keep his promises. And the promise of eternal life, God will keep his promises to us. The world, when you talk about this, think you're crazy. Praise God that we're crazy. <laughs> we know that we have eternal life because he's given us the down payment, the Holy Spirit, when we believed on the Lord Jesus. 2 Timothy 1.12. Paul said this, and it's a song we sing, For I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed. And am what? Persuaded. Completely persuaded. Are you doubting, you know, doubting Thomas? Maybe he can do it. Ah, we need faith that says, no, I don't think he maybe can do it. I know he can do what he's promised to do. And keep that which he's promised in verse 2 Timothy 1.12. Secondly, not only a personal promise, heaven is a personal promise from a powerful potentate, but a motivator to godly living. Heaven is a motivator to godly living. If we're going to go to heaven where God is, and he is absolute holy, absolutely perfect, shouldn't we not, his children, walk in and walk toward perfection? That, as, as the scripture says, from glory to glory, one step after another toward the Lord. And <clears throat> When we're young as Christians, 
newborn Christian, baby in Christ, there are things that we, we uh, stress out about. But as you grow as a Christian, you become strong as a Christian, you don't stress out as much. The Lord couldn't give us the, the pressures and the circumstances when we're young that we can take when we're older. It's like a child and an adult and the stresses and the responsibilities that come upon us. But we grow in him. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So heaven is a motivator to godly living. Luke chapter 19 and verse 13. And he called his... I'm just reading some of these for sake of time. But he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds. And what did he say to them after he delivered them ten pounds? <laughs> Occupy till I come. That was the theme of an MBF some ten or so years ago. Occupy till I come. What should I occupy myself doing? Well, where are you headed? You're headed toward heaven. So we ought to occupy ourselves in our father's business. What's his business? He came to, he, the son came to seek and to save that which was lost. And in, according to Ephesians, that the Lord has established the church that they, with pastors and teachers and evangelists, to perfect the saints for the work of the ministry, to do the work of the ministry. Occupying till I come. But, but what are we, <laughs> what am I occupied in? What am I doing to extend the purpose for which the Lord Jesus came, the church? Ask yourself the question. A, motiv a motivator for godly living is that we're going to see him one day and we'll give an answer to him. How did you occupy yourself? And as if uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about the rewards there and it's get in yet as by fire they're scraping into heaven you, you, you get in there because of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus but what about the works that should follow as the scriptures actually say and their works do follow them in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 20 it tells us there to remain in the same calling in which you were called in other words when you become a Christian if you were a, uh, let's say, a, an accountant when you become a Christian, what should you keep on doing? Accountancy, but for the glory of God, different motive. <laughs> to please the Lord, to walk in his way. And Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 tells us that we've been ordained to walk in this way. This is Ephesians. I better read this one to get it <coughs> correct. Ephesians 2 and verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained for ordination for the Christian work and walk, that we should walk in them. That is in the good works which God has created us for. Are we doing those things? A motivator for godly living. Second Peter. Let's turn to this one, 2 Peter chapter 3. Talking about eternal things and <clears throat> two verses there, verse 13 and 14. 
He's talking about the day of the Lord prior to this and the day of God in verses 10 and 12. And then verse 13, Peter said, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth in which dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, we, we what? We look for such things. We look toward heaven. We look forward to heaven. Be diligent that ye may be found in him in peace without spot and blameless. And so godly living without spot and blameless. Always have the picture of when someone's walking down the, the footpath and then it's a rainy day and a car comes past and goes right through the middle of a puddle. I've seen people deliberately do that, but I, I haven't. <laughs> and splash the walker by with all the, the mud from the muddy puddle. <clears throat> It's happened in other ways where I've seen it not deliberately happen, but without spot, clean. Christians walk to please the Lord. Walk a holy walk, as we've been reminded many times this week. Seeing that we look for a new heaven and a new earth, do this. How quickly can you be contaminated when you get out there in the world? What did the disciples, when they walked the path with the Lord Jesus, when they come to a place to reside for a while, the, the, the host usually would take out a basin and wash their feet from the defilement of the day. And we get contaminated by the dust and the dirt and the filth of the things of this world as we're out in there and we need a daily cleansing, do we not? We need to be washed. We need to ask the Lord, what have I done? What have I thought today that is not pleasing to you? And walk a blameless walk and be found in him spotless and blameless. A motivator, heaven is for a godly walk. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 26. Here, I think it's speaking about Moses. The last time I messed him up with Abraham when we're in this portion. But Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 26. Yes, it's Moses. He said, Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. He had a view of the future. He looked toward heaven. He looked toward that celestial city like Abraham did and had respect to the recompense of the reward. Therefore, he walked according, accordingly. <laughs> and uh, if we as Christians don't walk with heaven's Values in view, we will not walk circumspectly as we ought to walk. Moses walked this way. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 10. Now we're with Abraham. He looked, as we mentioned before, for a city whose foundations, whose builder and maker is God. In verse 13, we read, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. <laughs> hey, if... They lived how many years ago? How, how long ago did Abraham live? I have to start thinking too. 2,000 back to Christ, 1,000, more than 3,000 years ago. These all died, they were persuaded. We're 3,000 years closer to that day. It, it said afar off then, it's pretty close now. It's not far away as compared with what they were looking and they were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. 
You know, when you're younger, the material things of this world, it doesn't have to be so, but they get your attention. With, um, I can speak on behalf of the fellas, but what is it that got your attention when you're a teenager? About 16? Cars, cars, and more cars. Money, money, money. <laughs> Loud engines. You know, now I hear them roar up and down the road. What are they trying to do, making all that noise? And I think, yeah, I was probably there one day too. We did it right from the... We, we took it right off at the manifold. No, I mean, there wasn't public cars. They weren't registered. We had about three miles of back road. And we had some neighbours up there that had pigs and dogs. And we stirred them. Sorry. <laughs> but we did. Roared up and down the road without exhaust pipes on. But the louder it is, for a bloke, the faster it goes, isn't it? <laughs> Doesn't work, but... Uh, they're little forces on Austin engines. <laughs> You know, we, we get wrapped up with the things of the world and, and they get our attention. But as Christians, it should be different, should it not? Even as young Christians and young men, we set our affections on things above. That's scripture to all, all Christians, not on things of the world. But how many are still playing with their cars when they get older? Are still concerned with the trinkets of this world and not with spiritual things that really matter for eternity. Well, what does it matter if I die a millionaire or a billionaire or a pauper? The poor man was in heaven. The rich man went to hell, didn't he? Because a rich man was taken in by the things of this world. They captured his heart. Heaven should be a motivator to godly living. Everything down here... What does the Bible say? It's going to be burned up. I preached a sermon at Bendigo, actually, once, um, a youth, youth meeting there. What's your bonfire going to be like? <laughs> it's what God does with our works. How big's the bonfire going to be? Is it all wood, hay and stubble? Or is it going to be gold, silver and precious stones? First Corinthians 3. We look for a city. We, saw, we see afar off. <clears throat> Verse, uh, sec, uh, Titus, I was going to say First Titus, Titus 2 and verses 12 and 13. This is one of those verses that Awana used to use in Awana for the children to memorise. It's Titus 2, 13, uh, 12 and 13. We read, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world, looking for Looking for what? Heaven and the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. When we will be glorified and won't have the mortal body that we have now, we'll have immortal bodies that won't be tempted and all the things that, that, that won't happen to them then. But looking for that time, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing. First John chapter 3 and all these verses are talking about us living with eternity's values in view, motivated to do what's pleasing to God because we know where we're headed. Chapter 3 of 1 John, verses 1 to 3, we read, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know... 
that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And because of this, what does it say? And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. The whole gamut of all these scriptures we looked at under the motivation to godly living, heaven should be, glory should be, points to the fact that we ought to purify ourselves. We'll walk differently. We'll be different than the world around us. And the third and last point, heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. And that's from our reading from this morning in John's Gospel, chapter 14, verses 1 to 6. John 14, 1 to 6. Amos in the Old Testament said this. He said, prepare to meet thy God. What is the day that most of us prepare for that we spend the most time and the most effort to get it right? We all know what day it is. It's the day of our... Thank you. <laughs> it's the day of our wedding. The fella probably doesn't, although he, prob- he might wear a suit where he's never worn one, tuxedo, whatever you call those things. <laughs> and um, you, you, you get ready for the, the, the big day. We've been told to meet the God, prepare to meet your God. This is the big day. When we stand face to face with God himself, the judge of the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ. God will not just let anything into his heaven. There shall not enter into it anything that defileth, neither he that worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they who are written in the Lamb's book of life. As I mentioned in the closing of the sermon over there at MBF, there's going to be no more sin, no more Satan, no more self, no more sun, no more stars, no more scary nights, <laughs> and, and all the S's that go on there. Nothing will uh, be allowed, because God is absolute holiness. Not a skerrick of sin or wrong can enter heaven. Uh, it wouldn't be heaven if sin was there, would it? And nothing that defileth, but the the redeemed of the ages, and God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And here we have in John 14, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go and prepare a place for you. It is a prepared place for a Prepared people, how can we get ready for this great meeting, for this great glorification, this day that we'll meet the Lord? By faith in the Lord Jesus and by keeping ourselves on track and in line with the Lord's, the Lord's requirements. First John chapter 1. Memorize, there's only a few verses, what about 10 verses? If we <clears throat> sin, we have an advocate with the Father in chapter 2, Jesus Christ the righteous. So, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us, is he not? Confess our sin and get right. That's why we have the opportunity before the Lord's table to do it. But we should do it regularly, daily, hourly, if necessary. 
when thoughts come, when deeds are done that are not according to his word, according to his will. It's a prepared place for a prepared people. How prepared are you? Are you daily staying close to the Lord? Are you walking in his ways and his footsteps? In Matthew 7, 22, some will say, Lord, Lord. <laughs> but he says and re- in reply, I never knew you. I never knew you. If he's gone to prepare a place for you, he will come again and receive you unto myself, he said, that where I am there ye may be also. And where I go you know and the way you know. And good old Thomas, doubting Thomas, said, Lord, we know not where thou goest. Pretty logical question. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is the way to heaven. Have you prepared for heaven? Are you on your way to heaven or on your way to hell? There's only two places. And by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is written, unless we repent, we will likewise perish. John 1.12 But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.19 And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil. And as the question was asked by the jailer in Acts 16.31, and the answer was given, you know, what must I do to have eternal life? And what was the reply? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. And Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Are you going to heaven? If you should die, the question that a lot of people say when you're witnessing is to ask, if you died now or today, do you know that you'd go to heaven? It's a prepared place for a prepared people. And that preparation begins there with salvation and then a holy walk. Uh, not that a holy walk gets us to heaven, but it's a, it will be pleasing to God and rewarded for, we'll be rewarded for that holy walk. But are you ready if you died right now? Would you go to heaven? Have you ever been in the position where something has happened that you could have died? The longer you live, the more experiences you have like that. I remember being pinned to the bulldozer seat with a big log that comes swinging around and couldn't reach the clutch, I couldn't stop it going forward and it was getting more and more pressure. Oh, this is it. <laughs> it's going forward and the log's coming backwards. Um, other things that have happened when driving down the road, go to sleep. Everyone gone to sleep driving? <laughs> Come on, be honest. Maybe you haven't gone on a long enough trip. <laughs> go to Adelaide. <laughs> but... It, it can happen like that. But are we ready? Christians, are we walking as we ought to? It can happen in an instant. These things happen. And we're taken out of life. And then it's all over. And then it's just a given an account to God. If you're not a Christian here today, 
you haven't believed on the Lord Jesus, those verses we've quoted, have someone walk through them with you to show you how that you may believe. And if we are Christians, which I think majority are here today, what would it be like to face God now, right now? What is there in our lives that we need to get rid of? What room have we not let him in? Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Glorification. We haven't got even to that point of talking about what's going to happen to our body and, and, and what we're going to put on. <laughs> the glorified body, what we will have from the Lord. That'll be next time. But what about us as Christians? Are we walking, pleasing to him? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the warnings and the chidings. Thank you for your spirit that speaks to our heart. And Lord, each one of us as individuals know if there's something between us and you as Christians. May we get that right by confession to you right now. And Lord, for an unsaved person, one that might be pretending to be a Christian is not. What a terrible thought that if they should go into eternity at this time, they'd go to hell and never, ever be able to get out of there. May they flee to the cross and get salvation from the Lord Jesus as they believe by faith. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.